Hello and welcome to the May 2020 edition of the Xcoders Community Podcast. I'm Jared Sorge, and this month I'm joined by Brian Covey. Hi, Brian. Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining on the, joining the show. It's a pleasure. So the, the theme of the month, I suppose, is signal boosting folks in the Xcoders community, uh, Brian in particular, because he got back to me, who were looking for work. Uh, this is a, a weird time in the world, and we've seen layoffs happen, and people, good good people are looking for for jobs. So, Brian, can you give me a little bit of your history and where you were and, and what you're up to now? Sure, sure. Uh, so I, I was at the Omni Group most recently. I joined the company in 2001, and I had been there ever since. Uh, and I had a great time. It's a great group of people. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really enjoying my time there. But I also had kind of gotten, I'd beginning, I hadn't quite figured out what the next thing for me was going to be, but I had figured out that I was ready for the next thing. Uh, so I was sort of quietly doing a little bit of looking. And then uh, back in March, uh, when the company realized that it had kind of gotten itself into a, a tough spot financially, I basically said, hey, you guys need to save some cash. And I, I know you're going to be doing some layoffs. I got a, a little tiny bit of a heads up. And I volunteered to be put on the layoff list, which makes me feel either I'm incredibly brave or I'm incredibly foolish. I haven't figured that part out yet. <laughs> but uh, but it was one of those like... I you need... volunteered as tribute. Yeah, it was one of those like, hey, like, the company the company needs to save save you know some money right now. And mm-hmm. I was already going to be looking for something. So why don't I just be one of the cost savings? <laughs> and it's uh, it's been fine since then, honestly. Like I, like I said, I kind of was in, in a mental space where I was ready for a bit of a break. And so it has been... A little weird to watch uh, the rest of the world do what the rest of the world is doing right now, and at yeah. the same time be saying, "Well, you know, this is the break that you said you wanted." So, <laughs> <laughs> did you mean it? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any regrets yet. I uh, well, let's revisit that in six to twelve months. <laughs> <laughs> but, sure. Uh, but in the but in the short term, it was one of those like I I had gotten a little bit of extra resources in place, so I was like, if somebody's going to have to be in this position for a little while, like I I can do that. Oh, just you know, just to say like, uh, and then took a little bit of time, a couple weeks to sort of reboot my brain, uh, and then stumbled into a short term contracting gig with uh, the fine folks at Rogue Amoeba. Nice. Uh, so um, they were doing a bit of an advertising push. Uh, before everything that happened in March happened, they've been getting a lot of interest from like class instructors, fitness instructors, art instructors, music teachers, who are all suddenly trying to figure out how to uh, run classes from their homes. And so they've, they've, oh, yeah. uh, they'd had quite a bit of interest in their products and they're, they have a two-person support team and they were getting pretty swamped. So mm-hmm. uh, Paul reached out, Paul Buckfasis, the CEO, reached out and said, hey, would you be willing to come on and help out for a couple of weeks? They're a great group of people that I know from way back, and it sounded like fun, and it's turned out to be fun. So that's what I'm doing at the moment, and it's it's a it's a wonderful learning opportunity and challenge because uh, I like to think that I'm reasonably good at teaching people how to use software, but <laughs> I know nothing about audio. So uh, <laughs> I get to do like every day I'm doing like three or four different Googles just to figure out like somebody sent in a tech support email and was like, well, this is, I really need to make this voice like sit in the mix. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have, I have no idea what sit in the mix means. So I guess it's time to Google that and figure that out. And it basically just means make it sound good. So that was, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun learning opportunities that don't have that much to do with software, uh, which is kind of enjoyable. So you're on a short-term thing with Rogue Amoeba. If that 
ends and they decide they're like you both decide to, to part ways or whatever what are you looking for in your next kind of role um i think i think the stuff that's most important to me is like i there's some ways in which i'm very very flexible which is to say like i'm not the kind of person who uh has i, I must perform job function x or i will be unhappy in a role right like mm -hmm. i want to find an interesting team doing uh work that i can feel good about and then i'm not particularly particular about what role i play <laughs> in that team like that's actually how i ended up doing the so i i was basically the only tech support person that omni had at the time when they brought me on board and that mm -hmm. turned into um essentially you know sort of a hiring and managerial role well not sort of a hiring and managerial role it turned <laughs> into a hiring and managerial role yeah um because we needed to scale up and, you know eventually i was up to uh, the, the biggest the team was when i was managing it was 14 people mm -hmm. um so i have a lot of people management experience and uh, i have a lot of experience working with very talented developers making products for people who need to use software to get stuff done mm. um, i tend to have good insights as to what will make a product confusing for somebody who's not a very talented engineer who's making mm -hmm. software for people who uh, think like engineers mm -hmm. um, so i'm mostly sort of looking for an interesting team doing interesting work and then figuring out what i can do to pitch in and and help out there whether that's people management or um, I mean, obviously, I've got a huge, you know, I've got a background in tech support, and that's a perfectly fine uh, thing to do, like helping mm -hmm. people actually get value from the products that they have uh, they've purchased and that they use, and figuring out how do you sand off the rough edges so people can use your, you know, like one of the one of the things I've always said is the best customer service is never needing to contact customer service, like, <laughs> not because not because as a company you want to be unapproachable or put up barriers between you and your customers. It's just that if your customers have to ask for help, mm -hmm. you're already wasting their time and they would prefer that you not waste their time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, makes sense. So, yeah. And I think the, you know, from the job searching that I've done thus far, I think the, uh, the business lingo for that is process improvement. So <laughs> yeah. Improved efficiency exactly processes exactly yes. yeah <laughs> i i don't really have any background in in software tech support what is it like is it is it kind of in a way like doing qa but your inputs are not like what if i try to break it in this way it's actual customers saying your thing is broken in this way and you try to like reproduce it and take it to engineering or the other people on the company like what is what is that like so so there's a ton of overlap with what a what a tester will tend to do right mm -hmm. in that by the time you have figured out what the well let me let me say this uh, so it's like testing except you're not necessarily the person who originally did the thing that caused something to break mm -hmm. and the person who did the thing that caused something to break may not fully understand what they did or how they did it so you have to, I mean, obviously, like the, the most important challenge is you have to sort of meet this person who's trying to use your product and having a rough time of it and to, to solve their problem so they can get back to work and do the thing sure. that they actually want to spend their day doing. So there's the sort of customer service, human being side of things. And then once you've figured out how to solve their problem, you sit and you go okay how do i turn it turn this into something that's actionable for an engineer like how do mm -hmm. i turn this into something that a product manager or a project manager is going to be able to 
to understand the scope of the problem and figure out whether this is something that should get worked on. Mm-hmm. So there is a there is definitely a piece of it that is taking the potentially garbled and emotionally frustrated input that came <laughs> from the internet itself, like the, mm-hmm. the large unfiltered internet, and then how do you turn that into something that's actually a company can actually use to to make its products better and yeah. you know stay in business. So so yeah, but and at the same time, like we don't. Like I have a ton of respect for my colleagues that, that are full-time testers because I have the luxury of not needing to, I need to, I need to get things in the neck of the woods where somebody could potentially figure out what to do with it, depending on the team you're working on, of course. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, yep, they broke it this way. I can, re- I can repro that it's broken. I have no idea why this is happening. Like that's the point at which I could then like write something up and hand it off to a tester who would figure out, okay, you no, know, it's broken in exactly this way mm-hmm. and then pass that off to engineering. For, uh, for an actual fix. So, you know, uh, software, you know, software companies, are, there's a lot of overlapping circles in the Venn diagram. Absolutely. And the tech support side of thing is, you know, you're just basically interfacing with human beings and helping them, you know, like you have to be able to understand their, their day and, and relate to their emotions and figure out how to get them, even if they're totally losing their cool. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to figure out, okay, how do I help you get back on the path that's going to make us both more productive and get you back to your actual work mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Um, and then you try to figure out how to make your colleagues more productive as well <laughs> with whatever comes out the other side of that interaction. And uh, engineering is usually like people, and I think testers too are embedded on a certain product. Were you supporting a certain product at Omni, like Graffle or Focus, or were you doing all of Omni's apps? Um, so we kind of went through different phases over the over the years. So obviously, when it was like me and one or two other people, we basically all covered everything. Mm-hmm. And then we went through a phase where the, the, the as we scaled the team up, we had enough people where you could have a person and assign a person to a you know like have one person be the Omni Graffle person, and they would spend their whole day learning that app and. and uh, helping those customers and getting a little bit deeper knowledge of, of how that one product works. Mm-hmm. But then one of the services that we decided to start giving our customers was we added phone support and we didn't want people to have to deal with a phone tree. So mm-hmm. at that point we shifted back towards a little bit more of a generalist situation where we, we really did as much as possible, want everybody to know all of the products so that when the phone rang, they didn't have to, you know, the customer who was calling didn't have to deal with a phone tree. They could mm-hmm. just have somebody pick up the phone and be prepared to answer the questions with, you know, regardless of what product they were having a problem with. Um, and there's, I mean, there are, you have, what we had to sort of give up a little bit in that case was um, a little bit of that depth. Like there's different strengths mm-hmm. that you can uh, build into your team, depending on the kind of experience and service that you want to provide. Um, and you know the immediacy of phone support, regardless of regardless of what topic you, as a customer, may be calling about. You know, it's a huge win, and people seem to really enjoy it. They'd be like, "Oh, wait!" Like we would honestly start a, a certain percentage of our calls would start where the, the person on the other end wouldn't realize they were talking to a human yet. <laughs> <laughs> like I just started building my name into the greeting, like, hi, I'm Brian. How can I help? Because that's not something a robot ever says. Because until, yeah, like you would, you would sort of be like, yeah, we would just, we'd have a certain number of calls start. And the person out there would be like, oh, oh wait, wait, you're a person. Like you hear, I actually you had hear somebody someone say push that the zero button because that's how you get to <laughs> an actual person on the phone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
so yeah, once we added in phone support, it became a little bit more of a generalist experience, at least at Omni. Yeah, and I'm sure that's Omni-specific, and it's going to vary from yeah. company to company. It's just kind of yep. fascinating to me because that that means that there's really no downtime. Like The apps you're dealing with are so deep and so big <laughs> that yep. the time between calls you're learning you're you're learning some other new aspect of one of the suite of deep big apps because you could get called about any corner of them yeah yep and 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 you also have to be you also have to develop a skill where like i would routinely have people call like customers spend their day doing their real job and use your their product. Like I had mm-hmm. somebody call up and say, like, I am about to do a one point three million dollar pharmaceutical trial. How do I use OmniPlan to do that? Oh. And I was like, so here's the deal. Pressure's on. Here's the well, well, no. I mean, I, honestly, it's that's that's kind of an easy part of the conversation because what I said was like, hey, here's the deal. I am not a pharmaceutical executive. You know your job way better than I do, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to tell you how to do your job. What I can do is I can tell you. Here's how customers tend to use our products. And when you have questions, I can help you with those questions mm. and map that over to your expertise. But um, like essentially you just put the ball back in the customer's court because they are the expert at their job. Mm-hmm. Like I spend all day helping people use software, but I'm not the expert. I'm not, you know, I'm not a lawyer. So which was another thing that some of our customers would would be using our products for, or I'm not a, you know, uh, somebody trying to balance their uh their job of teaching elementary school with the rest of their life and make sure that you know they're holding it all down in omnifocus um so you just respect the customer's expertise Mm -hmm. and tell them what you can help them with which is i can tell you if you click this button here's what will happen yeah (laughs) that makes sense absolutely i think that's a a helpful tact because if you try to assume the position of everybody who calls in it's going to be overwhelming yeah oh yeah 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 and we also had a we also did a lot you know, we had a lot of products. We also had a relatively large team and we weren't, we wouldn't get that many calls. Like we would get maybe like a really busy day for us would be 30 calls spread across four to six people. Like in an average, in an, an average person would only be taking like two or three calls a day. It was just a piece of the service that we provided and yeah. the rest of your day, you know, going to meetings or learning about the product or answering some, some, you know, email tickets. Like, um, I did. I didn't ever want to provide like a call center experience, which I think is a thing that now that I've started doing the job search a little bit more, I've realized like, oh yeah, yeah, like call center. You say tech support to people, they think call center these days, which is totally understandable and also is totally not the thing that I've been doing. Yeah, um, which is fine because that's not the thing I think I want to be doing. So, totally. How did you pivoting a little bit? How did you? find Xcoders. What's your history with Xcoders? Uh, I'm actually a relatively recent arrival at Xcoders because it took me way too long. And this is actually something I wanted to make sure that I got a chance to say on the podcast. Like uh, <laughs> Xcoders has coders in the name. Yeah. But you don't have to be a coder to go and to get value from that. And it took me basically until the middle of last year to finally figure that out after having several colleagues from engineering huh. say, no, really, you should come and listen to the talks and hang out. And and meet people it's it's a you know like you don't have to be a coder to get value from this group mm-hmm. and so i was a very late arrival into that group and the thing i wanted to say to anybody who's listening who doesn't think that they would get value from those meetings you should totally go you will get value from those meetings like it's a great group of people who are really helpful and friendly and yeah a lot of them are engineers and sometimes you'll hear conversations and you go like i have no idea what they're talking about 
but that's hardly the worst, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's not a bad thing. You're just like, okay, so they're talking about some stuff that I don't, I don't, uh, uh it's not my area of expertise, mm-hmm. but at the same time they will occasionally, I, I, I was talking to a colleague and they were like, I've got a new manager. I feel like our one-on-ones are, are not really all that productive as, as the person who is the junior hire, how mm-hmm. can I make things more productive in our one-on-ones and like mm-hmm. then i was able to have a conversation with them and actually offer them some advice from my background so it's uh it's a good group of people it just took me way too long to realize that just because the word coders was in the name <laughs> you didn't have to be a coder to actually show up and get value yeah better late than ever right yeah yeah, yeah. i look forward to seeing you all again in the flesh <laughs> yeah oh man that's gonna be a good day i know right it's yeah. been this is May. I've lost track of all yeah. time. I think it's been since huh? February or so that we started canceling meetings. So it's been yeah. uh, February, March. April. This is the fourth one that we missed. Man, yeah. that's brutal. It's yeah. just brutal. <laughs> the, the world will get back to normal. We will, <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. Or yeah. We will all get there together. It's true. So, yeah. um, it's something that I know we we advertise a lot whenever we talk about like, hey, a meeting's coming up or a social night at Cyclops is coming up or whatever. Like you can be a programmer. I think Brent puts it programmer or non-programmer, but it's like designers or a manager or you someone who just wants to learn. Like that's how I got involved in yeah. is I didn't know anything. And yeah. everything that people were talking about went way over my head. Yeah. Yeah. But the community is really what made yeah. me stick around. You know, if it was yeah. just, a bunch of people who always talked over you, but to each yeah. other, then that's not like yeah. going to make you stick around. And the quality of the group is what makes you stick around. And the people who yeah. actually care about you um, yep. is huge. Yep. Yep. And, and it is honestly another one of the ways in which showing up to those meetings and the talks and the after uh, sessions has been helpful is uh, like I spent, 18 years working with engineers and mm-hmm. I didn't always perceive the ways in which being an engineer was hard. Mm-hmm. So listening to you talk to each other, I think is one of the things that will make me a better manager for whatever team I end up on next. Because uh, yeah, like it's until you sit with a group of people and you hear them talk about their lives and the pieces of their job that are frustrating you don't always necessarily realize the ways in which those are problems that you could potentially help with. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a useful, uh, it's a useful resource, even if you're just sitting and, and, and learning yeah, uh, totally. both about the, both about the software and about companies and about people working in companies. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. There's a ton of really useful information that you can, you can acquire by just uh, being present. So you should mm-hmm. come. <laughs> How have you liked doing the management thing? when you've had chances it is the most satisfying work i have ever done it is also the hardest work i've ever done um and that's i think those go hand in hand right like (laughs) um it's i i don't have kids uh there are definitely and this is one of those things that i always try to phrase it really carefully when i when i give this part of my like career speech but Mm -hmm. i think i think i would probably be a better manager if i had been a parent somewhere along the way simply Mm. because uh like you i think there are a lot of people who end up in management jobs and they don't fully embrace they try to like sort of wall off the emotional management aspect side of things where you're going to be responsible for the emotional well-being of another human being mm-hmm. in some ways for some portion of their of their week and um that is really hard in a way that i don't 
think I, well, I definitely didn't understand it until I started doing it as a job. And it is incredibly satisfying and it is incredibly difficult. Um, but I enjoy doing difficult things. And I do think, yeah, if I, if I had ever been a parent somewhere along the way, like I've, now that I have more friends who are doing the parenting thing and I see the way they like manage their families and motivate their kids, like, okay, so you, I, you know, I, I see a parent have a conversation. It's like, I need you to do this thing. You may not understand why you need to do this thing. And you may have a reaction to that. And that's mm -hmm. something I have to manage and deal with. Uh, and I've definitely mm -hmm. seen parents manage those relationships and be like, oh, I should do that. That is a much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so often sure. my kids, yeah. I'll, I'll ask them to do something and I'll be yeah. like, no. I'm like, well, yeah. I, I didn't ask if you wanted to do that. I yeah. asked you to do yeah. that. Yeah. And it's, and, and you have to, and nobody, like, again, like I try to tread carefully, like you, you should not, uh, I don't want to draw a direct equation between uh, managing somebody in a company and, and parenting, um, you know, parenting, it's, it's a completely different situation. There are some, there are some parallels. parallels. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like if one of your employees is, or one of, you know, the people on your team is having a bad day, you, if you're going to be a good manager, you should care about that. Like I, I see other, I see people talk about their jobs and I can tell that their manager doesn't care about them. And that makes me really sad when I see that happen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you're somebody on your team will come to you with a problem that you just legitimately straight up can't solve for them. And mm -hmm. that's hard, but you can at least listen and, and help them try to find a path through whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it's, it's the hardest work I've ever done. It's the most satisfying work I've ever done. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's the, that's the nutshell descriptor. It's really yeah. hard. It's really good. It's really important. And it's a really good thing to be able to do. So I try to do it to the best of my abilities. That's awesome. The, the best managers yeah. I've found are the ones who actually like first and foremost care about you as a human being, yeah. you know, and you can glean a lot from the conversations about resourcing. I'm using big air quotes here of like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we don't have yep. enough resources to do this project or whatever it is. Like, well, yep. they're they're people, you yep. know. Yeah, not... and that's yeah, and that's that is that is another relative luxury that I had for for the you know better part of my career at this point, where I was working with the same group of people, um, and I you know like I never worked with somebody I disliked, not once. Um, there were definitely you know sometimes I'm I'm. I'm a manager who's kind of on the introvert side of things. So there would occasionally be folks on my team. And I'm like, okay, you are very much not an introvert and you're going to have to find a way to like have conversations and, and neither of us walk away <laughs> like mm -hmm. feeling bad about it, but it's totally a thing that we can do and you can work it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you don't, yeah, if you don't care about the people on your team, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's going to be bad for everybody. And I, <laughs> I've, I've luckily I've never, I've never really had to deal with that. And I yeah. think that, uh, yeah, I try to, I try to be really grateful for that piece of my career. <laughs> so. Well, if uh, you're listening to this and you've got uh, a need for an awesome manager or empathetic tech support, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, guru, that's not the right word. <laughs> human. The, I think the role is like, support human, but yeah, uh, yeah, we, yep. Uh, the, I think the the job titles that I've been targeting thus far are project manager, uh, uh, su uh, customer success, 
that is a that is a new title that wasn't around when I first got into this gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, those sorts of deals, and then uh, 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 the third one escaped my brain because it's been a couple of weeks since I did the, the last <laughs> resume push on it. But but essentially, it's one of those like I know how to talk to customers. I like to talk to customers. Customers mm-hmm. are great, and I can translate customers into something that a company can turn around and like actionably make you know positive progress on. Um, and I know how to keep teams happy and I know how to make sure that teams are accountable and get the work done that they need to get done. That's, that's my gig. It just, that's awesome. and what the, what, what title goes along with that? I'm not particular. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, if you're looking for someone like Brian, definitely go talk to him and hire him, take yeah. him off the market. Cause he's, he's good people. It's uh, <laughs> true. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm a little hard to find on Twitter, but I'm on there too. It's a uh, high Dvorak like the weird keyboard where all the keys are in the wrong place. <laughs> That's awesome. We'll put links to those also in the show notes too. Uh, cool. So that wraps us up for another month of the Xcoders Community Podcast, and we'll talk to you next month.